Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, I'm worried about our walnut trees. There's a weird disease striking them down. You might have heard a neighbor talking about it. Nate Orbach from the Salt Lake City Division of Forestry is here to explain. It's Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Hey Nate, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I always say that I think I have the coolest job in Salt Lake, but I think you might have one of the coolest jobs in Salt Lake. We seem to think or tend to think so. It's a pretty sweet job we have uh, managing the city's trees. How'd you get into that? Uh, well, I have a degree in forestry and, uh, you know, just kind of worked my way through various tree jobs to here. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about walnut trees. And my first question for you, do you have a count? Like how many walnut trees are there in Salt Lake? Well, I can't give you a count of all the walnut trees in the city, but I can give you a count of the city-owned walnut trees. And I'm pulling okay. that data up as we speak. Um, one second. Looks like uh, city-owned walnut trees, there's a total of 94 we have in our inventory. So our um, urban forest wow. inventory is... Every public tree in the city, both in the park strips, uh, those are the strips between the sidewalk and the street, and then those trees that are in parks as well. Huh. Okay. 94 is a lot. That's, there's more walnut trees than ADUs in Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least registered How, ones. That's right. Who, um, who planted them? Are they native? They are not native. Um, walnuts were one of the species that uh, was heavily planted by, you know, Mormon pioneers when they came and then they've been mm. planted by various, uh, you know, valley dwellers since. So, yeah. Okay. For someone like me who is not a tree expert, how would I know I'm looking at a walnut? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, I mean, they do look quite similar to a number of other trees, um, which okay. is a common theme among, uh, you know, living things, but yeah, um, they have what we call pinnately compound leaves. That um, picture like a, an aspen tree, that's a native tree, single leaf on a stem, right? Okay. Yep. Um, a pinnately compound leaf means that each leaf is composed of multiple leaflets. I oh. mean, palm trees are mm -hmm. a great example of this type of uh, leafing. Okay. Walnuts are similar in that, in that they have a long leaf composed of several small leaflets and they're arranged... Um, like a feather. Oh, uh, leaflets so on nice. either side of the little, what we call the petiole, uh, which okay. is the, the stem of the leaf. And most of the ones I'm seeing in Salt Lake, they're going to be pretty big and pretty old. Or are we still planting them? I mean, uh, the city is not actively planting them, but we're not against planting mm. them either. 
Um, they're just not super common from nurseries either, uh, but they are commonly planted by um, homeowners. Hmm. Okay. So my understanding is that they're not doing well. And it seems to be a regional problem, but we're also experiencing it here in Salt Lake. Like our walnut trees are kind of going down bad. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, without painting too broad of a stroke, a lot of the trees in the city, whether walnuts or not, are, uh, you know, similar age, highly okay. mature trees. So you see some, a lot of trees dying at the same time because of that. And mm. especially with the walnuts, uh, mm. you know, trees have a lifespan and if they're all planted at the same time, it can seem like they're all dying all of a sudden when really they're just kind of all reaching the end of their lifespan at the same time. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, can be compounded by drought can be compounded huh. by uh, various insects and diseases as well. Yeah. But there is a specific like beetle, right? That homeowners are trying to get off their walnut trees. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a tandem, a beetle and a disease. Um, the beetle is native to the United States, mostly in the Southwest. Um, and it introduced, it can introduce a fungus that causes what we call a canker on the tree. Yeah, like they a, look like black spots. And the reason that the disease that they introduce is called thousand cankers. Um, oh. And the, the biologists that discovered it, um, they called it that because it's, it's kind of like death by a thousand cuts. Um, oh. each, each beetle that goes in the tree introduces a new canker right there and you know, death by a thousand of them. Uh, so you see trees with tons of black spots on them. Okay. How many of our walnut trees like are you getting calls about this a lot to your department we are getting uh some calls about it um it, it's usually not a specific uh my tree has thousand cankers disease it's it's more this walnut doesn't look good uh you know it's dying a lot and we get out mm -hmm. there and yeah you can see trees that are just every branch all up and down the trunk just covered in black spots and we'll say yeah that's probably what it is uh, the city's never officially sent something to a lab to have it tested to see if it truly is thousand cankers. But, um, hmm. you know, as trained dog wars, we kind of know what we're looking at and say that's most likely what it is. Once the tree has thousand cankers, can um, it be reversed? It cannot. What the only thing you can do if you have a tree that has it is uh, hope that it's not too bad by the time you catch it and you can cut out the affected areas. Huh. Interesting. So they, these cankers, like, I'm thinking of like a canker sore. Do they look blistery? Um, yeah, it's kind of similar. Basically, it's a tree's response to something affecting them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and what's affecting them there is a, a disease so that the wood gets, yeah, gross. Turns black and kind of, yeah, kind of blistery. Hmm. Is there anything preventative that can be done? Like, if I've got a walnut tree on my property... I'm keeping an eye on it. Is it like, can you spray it down? What do, what do you, you do? You can't do that. Keep an eye on it. I mean, the number one thing, and this goes for all trees, um, is plant them where they're suitable. Make sure they get plenty of water. Um, you know, in a drought, it's, uh, it can be challenging to think about, but um, mm -hmm. all trees need water, whether they're drought tolerant or not. And that was in mm. quotes, um, even drought tolerant <laughs> trees in our climate will need supplemental water through the summer. So. Um, okay. ensuring a tree has deep water, uh, you know, a healthy tree is better able to protect itself and fight off diseases it may get. Uh, and 
you know, if it's a healthy tree, you may see a branch or two die, get rid of them immediately, uh, to Hmm. stop it from spreading. That's really all you can do is try to be preventative. Hmm. That seems like universal tree advice. It's absolutely universal tree advice. Um, Make sure trees get deep water throughout the summer and they will be significantly less affected by other diseases, Hmm. insects, etc. Of course, we're all thinking about drought a lot. We just had our drought state of emergency bumped up yet another notch. And we've had this terrible heat wave this past weekend. And driving around the city, like, we know specifically on the west side, there are less trees. We know that in neighborhoods that where there's been redlining, they tend to be hotter. Um, but it does feel like citywide, the sidewalks are hot. The The best place to catch a break is under a tree. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. How do we square that? Because I'm like, okay, we've got this this like massive heat that we're staring down the barrel of we've got this like climate catastrophe of our air it feels like trees are our first line of defense is there a plan to get more of them in the city like does the city have a plan for like keeping them in the ground and keeping them healthy yeah the city absolutely does we as the urban forestry division uh we kind of follow um, what we believe is a tree preservation mandate. We say that all the time and we, we you know, we believe that mandate comes from uh, both the current administration as well as the city's residents uh, to maintain mm. mature trees in the landscape wherever it can be done safely and appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is helping people know what trees need, education, um, helping people uh, care for their trees and uh, mm-hmm. Effective maintenance, which includes pruning out um, dead or diseased branches on uh, trees that we intend to keep around um, to try to keep them around as long as possible. And uh, for those trees that do unfortunately need to be removed, we replace them almost one for one. I mean, you know, there's some specific locations where trees are not appropriate, where one is removed, but those are few and far between. Mm. And generally, when we remove a tree, it's an automatic replace it um, unless the neighboring property owner for whatever reason is uh, adamantly against it which Mm -hmm. is usually not the case do you worry about the popularity like the growing popularity of xeriscaping is that going to ultimately lead to less trees it's a constant um point of conversation Uh, i mean to say worry about it um i don't know because xeriscaping can be done properly with trees Hmm. you just need to keep the tree in mind and know that it uh like the drought tolerant plants you are planting for a proper zero scape. I mean, people like to confuse the word zero scaping with zero scaping and they're not the same thing. Huh. Um, you know, zero scaping means you throw out some rocks and you have a hot site with uh, no shade, no plants, et cetera, et cetera. Zero scaping means you have water, um, water wise plants and a tree huh. can absolutely fit into that with proper planning. Okay. Well, that kind of blows my mind because I always thought I had just been saying zero scaping, but I'd been saying it wrong when I saw it written as zero scaping, but they are actually two completely different things. They are two completely different things. Yeah. I mean, uh, zero scaping comes from, well, I believe it's a Greek word, xeric, which means dry. Doesn't mean zero. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Can you give us an update on how our trees are doing that were planted after the windstorm? I mean, that was what, September 2020? Feels like a decade ago. 
We lost a lot of trees in that storm. I know that the city put a lot of work into replanting. How are they doing? Are they are they like taking? Uh, well, so we don't have the actual data yet. We do a two-year mortality study on all trees that get planted. Okay. So those will be, the official data will be taken later this summer um, as to how those trees are doing. We've typically, overall, before the windstorm, seen you know, 80 to 90% survival, depending on mm. where in the city things are. It varies a little bit, but. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. So the hope is that everything that was planted after the windstorm is smooth sailing. Yeah. I mean, the that's the hope. And, you know, we're certainly not naive to think that every single tree that gets planted, I mean, even in perfect conditions, you wouldn't have a hundred percent survival. So, um, right. you know, we do expect to see some trees die here and there and, and you know, that can happen with newly planted trees, even if they're perfectly maintained. You, you see some mortality of trees that just didn't make it through the transplant. And that's, um, that's acceptable. You know, we're, we're happy to work with the people where that happened to uh, get them a tree that actually does take. But yeah, yeah. the hope is that we see uh, a high survival rate for those trees and all trees that are planted in the city. Okay, my last question for you. Why, why does this matter? Why is the health of our trees in our city so important? Well, I mean, you kind of alluded to it earlier and the difference between the feeling in the city of, uh, you know, a place that's densely shaded uh, versus a place that's not densely shaded. You know, there's mm -hmm. a strong difference in temperatures. There's a strong difference in comfort. Um, you know, there's a reason that when this valley was settled, um, it planting trees was quickly a high priority because it's a challenging place to live with no shade and other benefits that trees provide you know there's hundreds of them so to go through all of them would take up their the rest of your day but numerous uh environmental social psychological benefits um that studies have shown time and time again provided by uh trees in a thriving urban forest hmm. okay wait can you tell us one of the psychological benefits because i'm really interested in that yeah i mean there's uh all kinds of studies done that things like well-treated neighborhoods uh, have lower crime rates um hmm. students that are in the presence of uh, you know a, a large number of trees tend to do better in school um, hmm. studies like that have shown things like that time and time again uh, people who are shopping in districts that have uh, tree-lined streets tend to stay longer and spend more money. I mean, they're, yeah. Hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah, numerous benefits that you wouldn't necessarily associate with trees. And, you know, maybe it's only slight correlation, but studies have shown these kinds of things time and time again. So, hmm. Nate, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your time. A little news before we go. On Saturday in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, 31 men with ties to a white nationalist group were arrested for planning an armed riot during a pride event. The men were gathered inside the back of a U-Haul truck and they were all wearing the same clothes, including khakis with navy blue shirts, beige hats, and a white cloth covering their faces. Police said the group was headed to a Pride in the Park event in Kirtland City Park downtown. The event included a Pride Walk and performances by local musicians, dancers, and drag artists. A real community thing. Police said the men were not armed, but they believed the group's intention was to instill fear. 
They did find one gun smoke grenade and the men had shields. Police told CNN that the level of preparation was, quote, not something you see every day. This happened in far northwestern Idaho. So why am I telling you about it on CityCast Salt Lake? Well, only two of these 31 men are from Idaho. One of them traveled to this gathering all the way from Alabama. Six are from Utah. Specifically, Springville, Kaysville, Midway, Elkridge, Midvale, and West Valley City. Police tracked down the group after someone called 911, reporting that a group dressed like a little army was getting into a moving truck near a hotel and that they were loaded up with riot gear. By the end of Sunday, all 31 men were out on bail. They are expected to be arraigned at a later date for conspiracy to cause a riot. Police believe the men are affiliated with the Patriot Front, and according to Politico, the Patriot Front is a white supremacist neo-Nazi group whose members perceive black Americans, Jews, and LGBTQ people as enemies. The group calls for the creation of a white ethno-state in America. If you're following headlines, you know the panic in far-right circles right now is around trans people, and it's a danger to the health, safety, and well-being of trans people. This story from Coeur d'Alene just reinforces something we already know, Salt Lake. Queer and trans Utahns are becoming a political target, and it's on our whole community to show up for that fight. That's our show today here on CityCast Salt Lake. I have to ask you a favor. I know you like this show because I see that you're listening and I know how many reviews we have in Apple Podcasts and they are not the same number. From the bottom of my heart, I would be so grateful if you left us just a small, short review. I know I'm begging, but it really does mean a lot. It goes a long way. That's why every podcast asks you to do it. Thank you so much. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Bye.